Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about feedback, Dave, and making sure that our feedback is is not harmful, like it's doing good. You mean like the way your voice feeds back when you say feedback and it goes feedback and gives me that sort of squeal? That's kind of harmful, that kind of feedback? <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, so, no, like telling people they're doing good or not. So when I say your voice is squeaky, that's not what you're looking for no that's just mean so what are you though, talking though it could be you know it is you know i'm just talking about i read an oh sorry i read an article in the harvard business review hold on about hold on. giving uh-oh. you're you're self-conscious now aren't you i totally am <laughs> i love it now i'm like i read a article in the harvard <laughs> business review look how smart i am i said harvard i know how to spell it too um, no, but this, this article about how we deliver feedback and making sure that we're doing it in a way that's actually moving our teams forward, um, rather than doing harm. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And, and I think that were you, pretty cool. you and I have touched on this in, at various times before. Um, I think it's, it's interesting and, and probably worthwhile devoting an entire show to this because this is absolutely probably top three critical skills that leaders need to have to grow their team. Um, and, and I, I, I you know, we've got the article you sent. It's, it's a great article. Um, and I think there's some things missing from it. I love it. There's nothing I would exclude that's in it. Let's put it that way. But I think there's probably, we could go deeper than what the article is able to do. Um, so, well, and I think three of these points are key um, that, that he makes in the article. So which is the first one you think is the most important key point he makes? Um, Making sure that our feedback increases the person's self-awareness. You know, I mean, you telling me I have a squeaky voice as a speaker, that may be something that I want to know. And I want to like, maybe I'm not aware of that, that I come off as squeaky, but having that self-awareness now, I can say, oh, wow, there's maybe a way I can deliver what I'm doing in a way that will be better received, right? So actually in you giving me that feedback, it would help to increase my self-awareness. Yeah, and what's interesting, and this ties into that article, while I did say that, I probably didn't provide enough contextually for you to draw the um, inference that I was leading to, which is not that you have a squeaky voice, but you occasionally have some squeaky words, right? And I think there's a difference. And I, I've seen you keynote, I've seen videos of you keynote, and, and I don't hear you doing it when you keynote, but in the beginning of the podcast, you almost always start off with a little squeal somewhere along the lines. And I think it has to do with your excitement level as opposed to you know, the way you talk. And and it's, I, I frankly- I do get I, very excited when we get on our podcast, Dave. Yeah. And, and I find it endearing, which is why I give you crap for it. <laughs> 
No, but but he makes a great point. And, and the he we're talking about who wrote this article is Thomas Chamorro Prem Music. Um, but, you know, he wants to make sure that we are giving feedback that helps people get better, not just tells them what they're doing wrong, no. um, which I think is a really important point. Well, it's absolutely. You know, when I talk about my um, accountability triangle, one of the legs of that is mindset. And that leg is the mindset is about others. So when we're going into feedback, right? If, if I'm telling you just what you're doing wrong, period, that's my goal. That's about me. That's mm. about me wanting the team to function well. That's about me not wanting to have to deal with um, things that are falling short, right? That's about me. When I talk to you about how your actions impact the rest of the team, that's the self-awareness piece, how you're perceived by the team and how it impacts them. Now I'm not doing it for me, I'm doing it for you. And that's the, that, That's when I talk about mindset, that's what I'm talking about. And that's what he, I believe as I read this. And of course, when you're, when you're a hammer, all the world's a nail. So maybe I'm just interpreting this in my own paradigm. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm open to that. But my point here is that I believe they're really in line that, that this is just is saying, look, think about the other person and what, if you were in their shoes, what information would you need to hear to help you change? Well, and to help you understand why you want to make the change. We all know change is really hard. And so if we understand the impact, and this is one of the things I talk about in my communication workshop, is like, we need to help people understand the impact of what they're doing so that they can make a decision that, oh, wow, that's not the impact that I want to have. I'm going to shift the way I'm doing things. And that's what you're talking about, about mindset. Yeah, it's exactly right. And the added benefit to this is if I am that clear in my communication to somebody and they decide I'm not going to change, I'm okay with the, being aware of this impact on the rest of the team. I don't want to change. Now that gives me as a leader and a manager a data point so I can go, okay, is this really somebody who needs to be on this team or is there another team, maybe at another company? where they would be better suited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and this is what I say about in both leadership and communication is like, you can't control what I just squeaked. <laughs> oh, I'm self-conscious about it. You can't control anything anybody does. All you can do as a leader is give them the information they need so that they can make the best decision about what they want to do. Right. Because ultimately they're making the decision of how they're going to act. And all I can do is give them the information. And so one of the things I tell people is if something makes you think, like say Bob's late to meetings, if that makes you think that he doesn't care about the job, he might need to know that. And so by saying, hey, Bob, you know, I've been, I've noticed you've been late for meetings a lot. It kind of makes me think that you don't care about this project. And I wanted you to know that. And I, I think maybe that's not the case, but that is the conclusion that a lot of us may jump to. So I thought you might want to know that. Um, and, and by doing that, you're letting him know the impact of what he's doing on other people. Uh, absolutely. And of course, and this, you know, just to bring it back to my pre past point, if Bob turns around and goes, no, no, I think this is really important. I love doing this. And then he continues to act the same way. You now have the ability to go, listen, Bob, we had this conversation. You said it was really important to you. Your actions are not in alignment with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and of course, for me, this is the way I think. I just start wondering then what other things he's saying that he's not really 
behind because we act when what's our own personal best interest and in, in this hypothetical for whatever he's whatever is keeping Bob late is more important to him than the project, the job, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And that brings up a point that's not in this article about giving feedback. And that's the follow up of feedback. And that's what you were just saying is, you know, if things don't change, I can then go have another conversation with Bob saying, hey, last time we talked, I thought we had a great plan. And yet, and you know, you said the great things, but nothing has changed what's going on. And that I think that feedback piece is also important to make that feedback actually stick and to prove that you're actually serious about it and you're expecting something to be different. Right. And this, we actually, and it's probably a month or more ago, but not within the last couple of months, we had a similar conversation and that next follow on conversation is not going to be the same one. Right. So the first one, right. the first one is, okay, Bob, um, you know, it, it gives the impression that you don't care about Right. The second one is what's going on in your life that is clearly more important than this job, because you said it's it's important to you. And yet other things are superseding it. And clearly they're more important. But the other piece, and again, not in here as well, is what are the consequences in as explicit as terms as possible? Right. So when I said, for example, give them an opportunity to be more engaged. I remember exactly what I said, be engaged, better engaged on a different team, possibly a different company. That's too broad. That's too general. That's open to interpretation. If I'm actually having that conversation with Bob, I'm saying, listen, Bob, assuming it rises to this level, right? This is not, you know, everything to steal another paperclip and you're fired, right? But, but assuming it rises to this level, I would say, listen, Bob, if this isn't fixed by this time frame, we're going to have to terminate you. And now mm -hmm. there's no ambiguity. Right. And now if Bob doesn't fix it, Bob's volunteered for the consequence, whatever that consequence was. Exactly. Again, you're giving him all the information he needs to make the decision for himself so that when you need to implement that consequence, which is another thing that leaders a lot of times do not like to do, you told him what was going to happen. Like he basically chose that, you know, and obviously we're giving them opportunities within that conversation to talk about, okay, cool. How can I support you? What can I do? How can we work together to, to make this change? So you're making sure that you're not just being like, I mean, with a, anyway, you're, you're giving them the support they need to change uh, if that should be necessary. But bottom line is you're saying, Hey, here's the next steps in progressive discipline. Here's the next step in your compensation. Maybe it'll impact the um, what's the word uh, um, bonus or raises. Yeah. Or bonus or commission. That's the word, right. um, you know, and, and letting them know that. So when it happens, it's like you, you chose that, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, again, if you are the type of leader who is known to do what they say and say what they're going to do. It makes life much easier because then it's like, did you think I was kidding? When have I ever kidded you before? When have I never followed through with what I said, both positive and when I say negative, if it has negative impact on somebody else. Right? Undesirable. Right. Undesirable. Oh, I like that. Undesirable. Mm -hmm. I desire yeah. undesirable. Um <laughs> So, so you said there were three things that spoke to you. So I think we covered, you know, the, that and this, you know, if you're looking at that article, folks, and you're looking for it, it's what, what uh, Anne's referring to is increasing their self-awareness. What was the mm -hmm. second thing that you thought was essential? The second one I loved, and actually it hit on a point that I was like, what? That's actually happening? Um, his second point, the 
the problem would be that you're not giving enough negative feedback, that you're not having those conversations often enough. And one of the points that he made that in some HR teams right now, they are actually banning negative feedback to only focus on people's strengths and turning a blind eye to things that are going wrong. And I think that's just, I was like, really? Like, what? How does that work? Well, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. It's, I think, a natural extrapolation of a tendency I've seen, and I'm, you know, I'm 20 years older than you, of this whole idea that there's no losers, everyone's a winner, there's participation in wars, right? That, right, to show up and, and that's good enough. And it's not. And so I think what's happening in a lot of HR departments are saying, okay, we don't want to make people feel bad. But it's not about, again, this goes to mindset. It's not about making people feel bad. The reality is, and this is the reality, we all know when we're not living up to expectations. With or without the feedback, we know. And I've said this many times, we hold people accountable, we think are capable. So when we fail to hold people accountable, what we're really saying is you're not capable. When we don't give negative feedback, we're saying, yeah, you screwed up, but I didn't expect you to do it anyway. So don't worry about it because you suck. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, and that's exactly, you can't get better unless you get that negative feedback. I, I went to an art school for three years and sang, you know, I was singing opera and good God, you got so much feedback. You thought you got up and sang an aria really, really well. And then they're like, oh yeah, this was, you got to work on this. You got to work on this. You got to work on this. And it was like, holy crap. But I became a much better singer because of it. I, I never could have gotten there if they just told me the four things that I did really well, you know? And, and so you never get the opportunity to get better and know what you can improve on if you're not getting that feedback, but it's up to the leader. And this is, I think, why HR teams are banning it. It's up to the leader to learn how to do it well to give the feedback well. So it builds that self-awareness. So it builds their confidence and shows that you support them rather than calling them out on the rug and waving your finger at them and telling them everything they did wrong. Yeah. I think the other piece to this too is there's, it's a misapplication of what is basically sound performance psychology, which states if you focus on what you do well, you'll get more of it. Right. So I've talked mm -hmm. about this before in sports psychology, where an athlete, you know, the golf, you know, if if I'm having trouble with my golf swing, instead of thinking what went wrong, I think, okay, well, I had a good tempo on the takeaway, right? And then, oh, I had a nice smooth transition, right? And that's all true. And you still have to acknowledge the things that need improvement, right? And I think the the difference is between saying I suck at this, right? And what we speak comes into being. And I can, I can improve on this, right? Which mm -hmm. is just a reframing of the same experience. Right, exactly. And that comes from not only the way we deliver it, but with the way we feed, with the way we receive it. Uh, when I did a workshop last week for the FDA on team synergy. And one of the things we talk about not only is how to give feedback and hold your colleagues and teammates accountable, but also how to receive it. Um, and how to think about it. Uh, and this is a great lunch and learn type topic for leaders with their teams. 
is to get that common vocabulary around how to give feedback and how to hold accountable so that and how to receive that feedback so that when we are giving it, it's not this massive traumatic thing. We see it as an opportunity to get better and we are more likely to have a great culture of open communication where people want to interact. Absolutely. You know, this is why, you know, people are familiar with Top Gun. They think of it as the movie, especially the new one, Maverick, where they go on all these missions and stuff, which is not what Top Gun. Navy That's not what I think school. about. I think about the beach volleyball scene. Of course. But go ahead. Do. Yeah. I'll take my <laughs> shirt off for you later. Um, but that is not what Navy. This is not fighting. that kind of podcast. That is not what Naval Fighter Weapons School is all about. It's it's about teaching. It's about the best pilots going and learning how to teach those skills to the other pilots in the squadron. And one of the methods that they teach at Top Gun, or presume they still do, but they taught 30 plus years ago when I was uh, flying, is when you're debriefing a mission, when you're debriefing, whether it's a training mission or a real life mission, and you're talking about what happened you know, we don't make it ad hominem. We don't make it personal. In other words, I wouldn't go and you turn left right in front of me and I was able to, you know, go guns, guns, guns and shoot you down, right? That's personal. Mm -hmm. We actually teach to do it using third person. So in this particular scenario, let's assume that I'm the bogey and you're the fighter, meaning as the trainer, your job, you, you were trying to learn, you're a student and I'm playing the bad guy bogey, okay? I would, mm -hmm. they teach the bogey, was it turned left? The fighter turned in front of the bogey. Right now, it's not personal. It's one step removed, and it's easier mm. to hear that feedback. Now, that may not work in a business environment, but conceptually, the point here is we're not making it ad hominem. We're not making it personal. Right? When you give feedback, it's not you are this. You're lazy. You never, you know, you're lazy. You, you don't work hard. Right? That becomes personal. Mm -hmm. right? You talk about the actual behaviors. You know, the requirement is to get six widgets done every hour. You're averaging four out, four an hour. What do we mm -hmm. need to do? How how can I help you? Right now, it's not you suck. It's that these are the observable behaviors. And what can I do to assist you? In, well, you could do two widgets an hour for me. Okay, but that's not going to happen because <laughs> I have to do my job, right? Yeah. And, and my job is to help you do six widgets an hour, right? So 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 what's keeping you from doing that, you know? And that is a different approach completely than you suck, you're slow, you're lazy. Exactly. Because suck, slow, and lazy is, is all judgments of what's happening. And this actually is the another one of his points that he makes in the article that wasn't even one I was going to bring up. But he was saying that to base your feedback on specific data, focus on the facts. You were late to three meetings last week, not you're late to meetings a lot, or you're late to meetings all the time, or, you know, you come off as rude when you're talking to clients. Well, how about when you answer the phone, you say, yeah, what? Rather than saying, hello, how can I help you? You know, or whatever. But being very specific about what it is in factual terms right. so that we can then work from what's happening and not from our judgment of it. I've noticed you've interrupted clients three times in, while they were speaking in the middle of that meeting. Now, all of a sudden, that is very factual. Mm -hmm. And- it gives the person a, a, a snapshot from the outside looking in. Holy, that's rude. Wow, right. I did that? Yeah. Right? As opposed to you're rude to clients. I am not rude to clients. 
Yeah. Yeah. And not only does it give them a snapshot of what happened so they can look at it and go, oh, crap, I didn't realize that came off that way. But it also gives them that snapshot for the future. So when it happens again or is about to happen again, they catch that moment. And that's that pause of shifting the self-awareness, shifting the behavior, which is exactly what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And which is why, you know, when I when I talk about giving feedback in my accountability academy, um, we talk about you, you talk about behaviors, not attitudes. Right? right. And behaviors are observable. You can see them, you can hear them, you can smell them sometimes. And you know, <laughs> I know we laugh, but probably if you've been in business for for five years or or more, you've had that one situation where somebody didn't shower or hasn't washed their clothes in a couple of days. And, you know, they think, oh, this is fine because they're nose blind to it themselves. And, you know, you have to, that's probably the worst conversation I've ever oh. had with somebody. Yeah. So awkward. So, so observable, see, hear, smell, touch. Count. What's that? Yeah. Count. Count. You count the times that something has happened. Right. Right. Well, in order to count it, you have to observe it through one of your five senses. You, you probably right. not taste. You know, although, uh, you know, I've got friends who work in breweries and I'm sure there's a taster there um, and, and or chefs or chefs. Right. Where it's like, mm -hmm. OK, you've undersalted this. This is the fifth time you've under count to your point. This is the fifth time this has been undersalted or under seasoned. Or, right. So, again, all five senses are in play. If it affects a sense, then you could talk about it. If it's an inference based on something you've observed. Talk about what you've observed. Well, right. And if it's an inference based on what you've observed, you can talk about your inference, but talk about it in tentative terms with the intent to help them understand, you know, help build that self-awareness that we talked about at the beginning. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Circling back to the, you know, it, it appears to me that. Mm -hmm. It okay. makes me think that. Right. As opposed to you are that. Right. Exactly. All right. So, so that's got... four of the points he makes. And we added one to that. But the, the last one that I really liked was and, and the first time I read this, I was like, what? He was basically saying to make the feedback personal. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Well, no. But what he meant was to deliver it in a way that that individual, based on their own personality, is going to be more likely to receive it. Um, right. If they're an analytical, factual thinker, giving them that you know, all the facts and the data and very, very specific. Or if uh, it's somebody who's a little bit more emotionally sensitive, being a little more delicate with giving them the feedback, but really personalizing the, your delivery, not always just delivering it in your way as a leader. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I had the same reaction when I read the um, bold, but as we read the explanation, it made perfect sense to me. And, and I, I think I'm a great example of this because I'm kind of direct and blunt. And I prefer feedback that's, you know, like somebody starts dancing around with me. I'm like, just, just, just out with it. Okay. Right. You know, uh, you, I don't want to say you're sensitive, but you're certainly more um, um, emotional about things than I am more uh, softer, you know, I think one thing. So I think if you were working, you and I were working together and I had to give you feedback, you know, I, I'd want to make it a little bit more personal, a little more, not, not about, not when I say personal, I don't mean you are this, but I mean more touchy feely. I'm not quite sure what the right yeah, words are right. here. Cause I, cause I'm blunt and direct. Um, right. 
Well, exactly. And I'd probably be like, hey, Dave, what's up? You're late to meetings all the time. What's going on? Right. You know, and you'd be like, that's how I would deliver to you. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's not the way I would normally deliver feedback because I'm expecting it to come to me. And I would like to be a little bit more like, hey, Ann, you're doing great work. Thanks so much. You know, you're you're always here. You always hit your deadlines. I just wanted to talk to you about meetings because I've noticed you've been late the last five staff meetings we've had. And it's getting in the way. So let's chat about this. Yeah, you know, I'm I get, pro- I, I would respond better to that wordiness. And so I tend to do that to others. But with you, you'd be like, shut up and say it. What's wrong? <laughs> right. And, and you know, again, for you, what I would probably say to you is like, you know, and I've, I've noticed you've been late five times. Is there something going on in your life that I could help you with? Right. Yeah. Right. Whereas so- if, if you said, if you said that to me, I'd be like, whatever's going on in my life, you don't need to know about it. I'll be on time. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that's his point is that as you're giving feedback, make sure you're taking into account who the person is and how they would prefer. And you're not always going to know. But you hopefully you start to get to know, especially the people that you manage, you start to really get to know um, their preferences, what they respond best to. And you use your own flexibility to deliver in a way that's going to land best with them. Yeah. Now, what's interesting, you said you're not always going to know and you're not. Um, And I suspect and I haven't read um, the author's bio here, um, but I suspect he worked for a company that is big on assessments and probably provides professor that. of business psychology. So yes, and, you're absolutely uh, right. Right. And, and I will tell you, and I, you know, I use assessments in my work. I believe you do as well. I'm a big believer in assessments. And this is one of the reasons this sort of takes that mystery out. Now this wasn't a, a counseling situation, but I remember years ago in a sales situation where I was able to assess that somebody was using disc profile what a high S meaning um, they didn't make changes quickly, right? Mm-hmm. S is the pace and consistency of our life. So they, they really like the same thing over and over again. And they weren't going to make a snap decision. So as opposed to a high D, which is going to make a decision on, on a fly like that. Mm-hmm. If I'm selling to a high D, I don't show them anything until I'm ready. Cause I want them to make that decision with me there. So I don't give them any heads up about what it's like. They're, they're like, let, let me see the proposal. Great. I'll be right there. Not, yeah. But this person, I sent, we, we scheduled an appointment. I set it a day ahead of time because I knew they needed to sit on it. Mm-hmm. And by so by selling to them, and this is a persuasion podcast, sure. yep. by selling to them in a method that meshed with their preferred style, when I went to that meeting, we were just dotting I's and crossing T's. Those, the decision yeah. had been made. It never would have happened if I had not sent it ahead of time. So assessments allow you with your team to get in front of all of that and then understand how best to communicate with them the way they want to be communicated with. Exactly. And it, and that's another great way to build people's self-awareness of how they are, are perceived, how others are different. I love that as a team building and bonding aspect as well. Yeah. Especially when you tie it in, we're probably straying a little bit here from the topic today, but when you tie that in with some sort of 360 that shows the strengths of all the different personality types and behavioral styles. And I, I don't really care which methodology you're using for this, mm-hmm. all, right? We need a well-rounded team because different situations require different approaches. And now you as a leader have the ability to go, you know, this requires a deft touch, Dave. Um, you're kind of a bull in a China shop. 
Let me give this to Anne. She's yeah. going to be this. And, and frankly, I would be going like, wow, good. Cause you know, I'm just going to plow right through this and, and there's going to be bodies in my wake, Yeah, which is not yep. always, not always the right approach, but sometimes. <laughs> and again, it's, it's personalized for the situation or for the individual. Yeah. So the last thing I want to leave this with, and this isn't addressed in here at all is, you know, there's one thing about giving feedback that's so critical that is almost never talked about. And I alluded to it earlier on, but giving negative feedback actually builds esteem. Totally. Esteem within the person or esteem and esteem between the people. All of the above, right? Mm -hmm. it, it builds it builds esteem within the team. So one, and this is what I mentioned earlier, if I give somebody negative feedback, I'm really telling them you can do better. I believe in you. Mm -hmm. and, and and you're you're not stepping up to your potential. Yeah. Okay. And you're worth me having an uncomfortable conversation because I know you could be really a top-notch player. Right. So I'm going to invest my time, energy, right? And if, folks, if you're listening to this and you think about a time where as a leader or manager, you want, you know what? I'm just not, I'm, I'm, I'm talked to, I'm blue in the face. They're not improving. I'm done. Now, many of us get to that place. What few people do is then recognize that if I'm at that place, it's time to get rid of them. That's probably the number one question I get in coaching is, you know, what I'm like, well, how many times have we had to talk about this particular employee? Okay. What do you think we should do? I should get rid of them. Right. And, and, and it's always like, I should get rid of them. Okay. What's keeping you from doing it? I'm afraid. Right. Mm -hmm. But we've, we've moved beyond my point here, which is simply that these conversations are invaluable to helping people develop internally for themselves. So they feel worthwhile. Absolutely. And as I said earlier, these types of converse, difficult conversations, when done well, and when they build that esteem, also build trust and respect and rapport. If we know we can get through tough conversations, it becomes super easy to have them because we know when I know when you start talking to me about something that, you know, in a corrective way, that you're going to, I know you're going to do it in a way that is meant to make me better. And so I'm less likely to jump to conclusions. I'm less likely to get defensive. Um, and we're more likely to have a very constructive conversation, again, building that trust and respect even more. And if you want your team to be able to come to you, by the way, when you're screwing up, you need to be able to, you need to model that behavior first. And he actually talks about 360s in this article too, which are, I think are absolutely amazing. You know, when a company does an evaluation by 360s, which means not it's not the boss evaluating the the direct report, it's the subordinates, peers, and, and the bosses, the supervisors, everybody evaluating. So you get a look at yourself from everyone's perspective. That's and it's evaluated. anonymous. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and to the author's point here, the higher you get up, uh, in the uh, organizational structure, the more challenging it is to get negative feedback. So mm -hmm. be darn good at giving it and be ha create an atmosphere so that your team can come to you and go, hey, boss, can I talk to you? Because I think you're screwing up. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's vital. I, I, you know, and also that confidence to bring you problems, you know, and not try to cover them up, to, mm -hmm. to bring you problems within the team, problems within the processes. Like, I need to know that stuff. If I'm going to fix it, if I'm going to, you know, keep it from taking out small villages, I need to make sure I'm in front of it 
Um, and if I'm not on the front line and nobody's willing to tell me anything, you know, so, I mean, if we can role model that great stuff and welcome that feedback, we're going to be much more persuasive. Yeah. And whether it's fiction or maybe the team's fixing it, but you need to protect the team from higher up or you need Mm. to get in front of it where where you, you know, you as the boss need to go to maybe at the C level or director or whoever's, whoever you report to and say, Hey, listen, this is a situation. Here's how it's affecting, um, production, performance, whatever. Here's what we're in the midst of doing to fix this. I need to bring this to your attention just so you're aware that I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot better conversation than them coming to you and saying, what's going on? And you're like, uh, I, I don't know. Let me look into it. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to share with our... Uh... Uh, no, we should put the link to that article. It's called, Is How You Deliver Feedback doing more harm than good. Uh, but we'll put, we should put that link in the show notes so everybody can go take a peek at that because I thought that was a really valuable valuable one. It was right. actually given to me by somebody in one of my workshops. I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm keeping that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if you're not reading HBR or Inc or one of those magazines on a, on a regular basis, I get I get them myself. Um, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, chaff and a lot to separate from the wheat and some of this stuff, but every now and then you yeah. find a nugget like this and it's, it's absolutely worthwhile. All right. Yep. Well, if there's nothing else, then uh, next week, we'll see you again with something else. We'll do it all again. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Sweet. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.